So this morning we're continuing in our new sermon series, Christmas is Questionable. And today our reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. And it says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph was her husband and was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her public to, to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. God, this morning we sit here in this room, in this holy sanctuary, in these seats next, next to our body of Christ, and we're reminded of the word Emmanuel. God with us. And Jesus, we know that you are here in this room among us. And we ask as we prepare our hearts to hear the message that Micah so thoughtfully prepared, that you are with him, that you let the Holy Spirit flood through him and let the words be your words. And God, whatever you have to say to anybody in this room, whatever, need, whatever we need to hear, God, let it be so. We're here. We're expectant. God, use your people as, as your vessel. We pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. As Kelsey mentioned, um, I'm Pastor Mike, and if we haven't met, I'm the lead pastor here at Marion Methodist, and so glad that you're here. <clears throat> and I get this opportunity this is the only group that gets to hear this today. There's a special announcement just for you. You probably saw it in the bulletin. It's a plea for help. Um, right directly after this service, we're going to do a few things to help set up for our Christmas Eve services. Um, it'll take 10 or 15 minutes if we have a lot of us, or if it's a few of us, uh, it'll take longer. So, um, but we're going to put about 80 chairs in front of these rows and things like that. So if you've got 10 minutes after service... Um, I promise you, to, 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 uh, it'll go quickly if there's a lot of us. So please uh, give us a hand, men, women, children, uh, etc. Um, and that's all in preparation for this. On Christmas Eve, we're going to have three services. Two, four, and six. We've put a lot of publicity out there to remind you that last year, when we had 1,700 souls nearly come to Christmas Eve, almost half of them came to the four o'clock service. And that's the one we're going to be setting up for earlier or later today. But I want to remind you, if you're here all the time, it's going to be the same all the way through. Same sermon, same carols, a little bit different twist in, in music, but it's all going to be very Christmas, same candlelight. So uh, if you're hearing me, unless you want that giant packed feeling of really close together, then come at four. But if you don't, um, you've been warned, two and four uh, would be great. And... We're going to try something new. When you have new wineskins like we do at Marion Methodist, we have a few years to try some things. 
So this year, from 2.30 to 6, down in room 100, it's going to be reconfigured into a chapel tomorrow. Um, we're going to offer communion from 2.30 to 6. So the elements will be consecrated. Vicki Stanley, our director of pastoral care, will be there uh, to serve you or your family. And we encourage you to come down. Even if you get here really early for your service, at, at 4 or 6, you can put your coats out and wander down the hall. There will be people directing you too. But I think it's a great thing to be able to pray and take communion at Christmas. So we are offering that if you desire. And then I'm going to take a couple moments. Stand up, Hungate. Turn around. Tell all these people what you did yesterday, Friday. Yes. Well, to Bailey, worst announcement ever. Bailey and Tyler, give them a hand. Yeah. All right. Congratulations. Tyler is... Tyler was our ministry intern and uh, fantastic. And another little moment of personal privilege. Did Wells leave? Okay, don't clap too loud for this one. Wells is at church for the first time. He's only 15 days old, right? 15 days old, Wells is here for his first time. So you kind of give the little baby clap. All right. Okay, as Kelsey mentioned, I am fixing to preach the gospel. And here it comes. Most guys would not marry a woman pregnant by someone else. This statement appears to be true, because in research for these, these batch of sermons that we preached through Advent, I did some market research. I went to those three very scientific samples within Marion, uh, Wits End Coffee Shop, Downtown Casey's, and Walgreens. I asked 11 different men, now you know this is scientifically correct then, I asked 11 different men, would you marry someone else, would you marry some, a woman that was pregnant by not you. 11 out of 11 said no. Some a little softer than others, but they all said no. But here's what I see standing in an elevated position talking to you. You don't seem to believe me. So let's test the house. (laughs) So men, women, you don't have to play. Men, Just raise your hand if you're that guy among us that would marry someone that you knew was pregnant by another. (laughs) Well, we have two or three who are now gathering hard stares by their wives, but, (laughs) but we understand. I mean, Joseph really loved Mary, and yet, the story. Joseph is a man that's faithful to the law, was like most men. No, no, no sense have a leader of the faith that's not like most of us. Joseph was like most men, which meant, as you read in the scripture, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, which means this was written somewhere, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. They were betrothed, engaged. So he was going to start the divorce process This is what most men would do, and we just tested the house, and of course, those scientific places of Casey's, Walgreens, and Wits End here in town. Because what we know about Joseph, for sure, is he has one logical conclusion that every other man in his situation would make. One thing for sure is that Mary had broken her vow of chastity. That had been violated because unequivocally, Joseph may not have known who was the father, but he knew who was not. 
right? He knew it was not his child. So he set that simple divorce protocol that was part of the Jewish law in place. And this was the appropriate response to the circumstances in front of him. That that was the cultural response that would have been normal for most. He had no interest in being the stepfather to his first child. He wanted that first child of his to be exactly his. This is the circumstance that we're dealing with. And then God enters Joseph's circumstances. God enters Joseph's circumstances. There's this angelic intervention that provides God's interpretation of Joseph's circumstances. Joseph knew what his was. But the Lord, through an angel, told Joseph that the child within Mary is from the Holy Spirit, not another human being. This is a different child, a child for which there can be different expectations. This circumstance that you're under, Joseph, this circumstance has a God-infused connection, a God-infused function, a God-infused purpose. The connection to God that God is infusing here in this child is that while Israel has waited for hundreds of years in that boy that Mary is carrying, 300-plus prophecies of our Old Testament, of the Testament, they would have known it, are to be fulfilled. That is his connection to me. The prophecies that were said of him are going to be fulfilled. His function is to be named Jesus, which is right in there. Name him Jesus. So the function is his name, which means the Lord saves. Yahweh saves. And his purpose is to be Emmanuel. All this is bunched in those seven little verses of Scripture. His purpose is Emmanuel, which means God with us. The very presence of God with us. And Joseph embraces God's use of his circumstances. This is huge, by the way. Don't miss this in the Christmas story. I know we've, we've really worked over in the last five weeks, the, Matthew 1 and 2, Luke 1 and 2. But don't miss this, because what Joseph does is he believes the messenger is God's inspired angelic and messenger and that the message he sent is coming directly from God. He does as he is commanded. By the way, that's one of the crux moments. This is one of the critical moments of Christianity. When we do what God asks us to do. Look what it says in, in, in Matthew 1. When Joseph woke up, he did. He did it. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. He did. This is what leads to, our, to, to his success. This is what leads Joseph to be famous in our hearts. He's known as faithful. He's known as the father of the Lord Jesus Christ. The picture of how a believer should respond. I, actually, I, said, I heard in between services that, that one pastor said, well, Joseph wasn't the father, but he was the one he called daddy. Because he did, he did what God commanded him to do. And this is how a believer, us, that's how we should respond when God intervenes in our circumstances. You see, I just came by to tell you this today. The God of Christmas comes because we encounter difficult circumstances. Now, if you're a Baptist, that's where the amen would come. Thank you. I'll give you another crack at it. The God of Christmas comes because we encounter difficult circumstances. 
There you go. I'm going to give you just a thumbnail, a handful. All of these are about us. A handful of years ago, a young man, young woman, both freshmen in college, came to me and said, in my office, we're pregnant. At first, I didn't know really what to react, but they said, we need your help, Pastor Mike. I said, okay. I had a subset of things that I wanted to share with them, but they said this, which changed everything. He wants it. I want an abortion. That changes things, doesn't it? That is a circumstance that is difficult. Just last year, when we were going through the Arctic vortex, I was talking to one of our fellows, and he said, you need to understand, Pastor Mike, it doesn't matter what medicinal therapy I have. It doesn't matter how much counseling I go through. It doesn't matter how many good occasions I go to. The depression that is in me never stops pushing me down. No matter what I do, it never stops pushing. That is a difficult circumstance. That is a difficult circumstance. Just this week, both Vicki and I met with people that said to us, we don't even have enough money to get to the end of the week. No money for food. They weren't talking about Christmas presents, which we probably all are getting. They were talking about place to live in, warm place to be in, food to take in. That's a difficult circumstance. When you look at what you have and cannot figure out a circumstance in which you will have enough to make it to the end of the week. And I know, and I know that in this congregation here today, there are at least 15 or 20 of us who are walking down to Wednesday, Christmas Day, and we are saying, this is going to be my first Christmas without, and you insert the name there. That, friends, is a difficult circumstance. And of course, we could simply say, I didn't get them all, obviously, but you can insert your circumstance. And understand this, that our circumstances, whatever they are, if they're genuine and authentic to us, they are difficult circumstances. Or between difficult and very difficult. And the difficult circumstances of our life don't need a pep talk. They don't need a cliche. They don't need trite advice. We need God to be with them in us. There's lots of cliches. Oh my gosh, do I hear cliches hurled back and forth out the world. I, I heard this one the other day about burst my spleen, if that's possible. Someone said to another that was going through one of the things I was just talking about and says, you're not under your circumstances, you're above your circumstances. I think that is a fantastic halftime speech of a coach. I think it's a fantastic way to tell your defense to step up. You're not under your circumstances, you're over your circumstances. But when you're really going through it in, in life and someone says, you're not under your circumstances, you're, under, you're, you're, you're above them, and then the person says, then why is it killing me? If I'm over this, why is it crushing me? Why is this destroying me if it's just something I can be over? Man, I've heard this a hundred times if I've heard it once. And every time it's been too many times. Someone will say, hey, you know what? I know you're going through it. Grief, depression, whatever. Don't worry. God will never give you more than you can handle. That is not what the Bible says. It's absolutely incorrect. My vernacular has a different word for that. 
But it's exactly wrong. What the scripture says is that God will never give you more than he can handle. Now, some of you may think you're the creator of the world and perfect in every way, but you're not. So God gives us an awful lot, which is why sometimes our knees buckle. Sometimes our hearts are ablaze with anxiety and stress, and we hurt. Because the circumstances in our lives, whether it's an unwanted pregnancy, whether it's a depression or an anxiety that never stops, whether we don't have enough money or whether we're just waist deep in grief or some other things, these are real and they demand a lot more than a pep talk. They demand a lot more than somebody hurling a cliche that can be put on a coffee cup to us because we long not for some simple little answer. What we long for is the presence of God with us in them. Amen? What we long for is the presence of God with us in them. That's our only hope. See, Joseph didn't need somebody to tell him everything's going to be okay. What Joseph needed, he needed God with him to guide him in and through the circumstance. You understand, first, the easiest part of Joseph's circumstance is the decision. I'm not going to divorce her. That's that's a one-time decision. It's just like I talk to students all the time. It is easy to give your life to Christ. One-time decision. It's a lot harder to give your living to Christ because that's every day of every minute, right? Or the other way, you know how it makes it right. Right? An older gentleman, I don't even know where I'm at, Adam. I just wake up and start preaching. But, but God guides Joseph in and through his circumstance because what's next is that Joseph has to endure this decision. He has to endure what's coming next, which is him taking Mary home to Nazareth and the boys around the temple gate saying, a little early start here, Joseph. When Jesus comes back and teaches in the temple 30 years later, they say, isn't that, insert the word, the bastard child of Joseph? They just say Joseph. But throughout his life, Jesus would be walking around, maybe he starred in a Christmas musical. Well, there probably wouldn't have been a Christmas musical. In the Hanukkah musical. And the people in the back row, you know, the neighborhood, saying, remember? Remember how he got here? Because only Joseph knew. Only Mary knew. But God uses Joseph's difficult circumstances as the path to his and our salvation. And that's what we need at Christmas too. You see, that's the good news. The God of Christmas enters your circumstances to be present with you and guide you through. To be present with you and guide you through. Emmanuel, God with us. The Lord saves. See, the miracle of Christmas is the baby. The majesty of Christmas is The baby doesn't get trapped in the nativity. The baby grows up. He's not a baby forever. Jesus is the mighty king who saves because God sees and understands and knows your circumstances are serious and important. He doesn't make light of those things. He says, you are valued, you are worthy of saving. You are accompanied. That is why I am present with you and you are given counsel. And don't miss this. Don't miss this. When we ask God in prayer, see, because I'm a guy, and I'm like every other guy in here to a certain point 
that says, if God wants to speak to us, or I want God to speak to me in a way that says, Mike, do this. Because then I have a choice to make, and I don't have to do a lot of figuring out. But the thing about God is, he kind of gives me all these nebulous nudges where I say, I really think God's pushing me one way or another. I think God's leading me one way, and I have to decide whether I'm going to follow it. It's not as clear as maybe what Joseph got. It's not as clear as we just want, okay, Mike, sell your house, do this and that. We have to listen to those nebulous nudges. We have to ask God in prayer and listen and wait, and sometimes for days, months, years. We have to, I've told this to you before, but we have to look in Scripture. I can't tell you how many times when I've been in a way, you know, maybe stressed out, anxious about the day or something, and I started reading Scripture, and it didn't really apply, like, specifically to what I was wandering through. But there is something about the power of God's Word when opened to me that calmed my heart, that made me feel better in that moment than before. And we need to be willing to look into the Scripture, because this is one of the ways God guides us through. And don't miss the community of faith. And I know that several of you are here because I saw you earlier today. But the community of faith is, is ripe with opportunity. Not too long in a church council meeting, I was getting ready to say the last prayer. And I looked up in the last prayer and I thought, there are three people in the back row. They're all part of a fraternity that they do not want to be a part of. And that is to say that they have lost a sibling in the last few months. And I thought it was incumbent upon me to introduce them to each other because they probably, since they run in different circles within the church and the community, wouldn't have had an opportunity to get to know each other. But there is this beauty in sharing what we're going through. There, there is this thing in the community of faith. And so I, I, I admonish you, I encourage you to, to not be so tight. Sometimes we have to share a little bit to see how we can help others and I know we're the Methodists, you know. I know that we don't like to be effusive sometimes. And even the pastor has to get you to say an amen. But sometimes, sometimes, we need to share a little bit more than we planned on sharing so that we might give and receive the ministry that someone needs or that we need. And watch for these signs of God. Sometimes we don't look for signs and wonders. We don't look for the miracles that God is providing us every single day. Because I do believe that God has given those to us all the time. And we sometimes miss them. Sometimes it's just by putting people right next to us that we needed to hear from. Sometimes it's like, why does this same thing? I, I had a thing a couple weeks ago. Because I don't believe in the power of the internet, but I did wonder what God was doing when the same thing kept popping up. And I'm like, after the third time, I said, okay, I'll read it because apparently you know I need it, which I did. You might never be called to marry somebody that's pregnant by another person. But I do understand this, and you understand this. You have circumstances that are real. They're sometimes difficult to push through. And the God of Christmas is hovering over the chaos of the difficult circumstances of your lives, waiting to use them to grow you closer to Him. You know, we picked this uh, for four Sundays. You've, you've been here. We picked this um, hymn by Charles Wesley. 
to start our services. It's called Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And it's on page 196 of your, of your hymnal. But I want to tell you why we picked that. I mean, it's really cool with the candlelights and all that kind of stuff. But I, but I want to read the words to you. Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Born to set thy people free. So, so we're waiting, and we need freedom from our circumstances. To be set free from our fears and sins release us, let us find our rest in thee. That's, that's what God comes to bring us. Peace in and through our circumstances. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth, that includes us. Thou art dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver. That's the name Jesus. He comes to save us. Born a child and yet a king. The baby doesn't stay little. Born to reign in us forever. Doesn't need a big kingdom. Only needs the kingdom of millions of human hearts. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit. Rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all sufficient merit. Raise us to thy glorious throne. See the point of that is. That humanity yearns yearns for a God who enters our circumstances, yearns to be with us. Because see, the God of Christmas is hovering over the chaos of your difficult circumstances, waiting, waiting to use them to grow closer to you. That God, that God is worthy of our praise. Let us pray. God, you're the one and only. You love us in so many ways, we can't even see them. And there's so many things in our lives, circumstances that come upon us, we can't do anything about them. And you're right there with them. There's other circumstances that we make that are distracting and difficult for our own lives. And so we ask, Lord, that you might indeed bless us in every way. Help us understand that you're the one that we need. Lord, You know, we came this morning, we came with uh, so many things. We certainly didn't bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But we do have offerings of praise that we want to give. Lord, we have offerings of our time, our treasure, our talents that we simply desire to lay on your altar in praise and thanksgiving for all that you've given us, even to this day. This is our prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.